Hello, I'm Kami Yeshirabge, and this is a Buddhism Guide podcast. You can find more podcasts, blogs, videos, and guided meditation practices on the Buddhism Guide app. Download it for free from the Apple Store and Google Play. If you enjoy the Buddhism Guide podcast and would like to support future episodes, you can do so for as little as $2 a month. Visit patreon.com forward slash Buddhism Guide for more information. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash Buddhism Guide. This episode is called My Journey as a Teacher and is the final part of a special four-part interview series. You've been studying Buddhism for decades, and the last decade you've, um, you've deepened that study through becoming a monk. And now you find yourself in a situation where you're not just a student, but um, you're also a teacher. You're a, you have um, your own personal s- students in India, most of whom are Indian, and you find yourself in a situation where you've actually become a guru to those students. So can you talk a little bit about that experience and how being a teacher has changed your personal practice and understanding of the Dharma? Firstly, uh, I don't see myself as a a guru. And I think this is an old-fashioned word. And in India, the word fits nicely. Guru, it's okay. But in Western terms, I don't think, uh, you know, it fits into the Western type of culture. So I would just see myself more as a a guide or a, a mentor just here to, you know, try and spread some of the Buddha Dharma and, you know, just to help people to get to know themselves and, you know, who they are and what makes them tick. If I can help people along that path, then that's how I see my uh, my role, not so much as a guru. And how it's changed, yeah, I think it has changed because, you know, when you're teaching somebody then you have to think carefully about what are you saying? You know, what are you trying to get across to people? And how will the people understand this? So I think, you know, becoming the the mentor or the guide, you have to really think carefully. It's a big responsibility. And particularly in um, Buddhism, where we're talking about the mind, then, you know, you have to be extremely careful what you're teaching. So I think, you know, it's made me a better practitioner because it's made me focus more. It's made me, you know, when you're teaching something, then sometimes as you're teaching, it becomes, you know, even more clear to you uh, what you're saying. So I think it's helped me a lot. But as for a guru, no, I don't... I don't class myself as that. I don't see myself as that. I don't actually see myself as higher. I mean, with the word guru, it seems to you're higher than the student. You're some sort of, uh, you know, special one. And I clearly don't think that's healthy. And, you know, 
it's not something that I think about myself in that way. So I think, you know, the I can learn from the students. You know, everybody has their own uh, different interpretation of things. I can be putting something across from my perspective and somebody has a different perspective. And then, you know, I can learn. So I think, it's a, you know, for me, it's a two-way thing. So it's helped me a lot to, to teach. And, you know, for the the guru-type figure, you know, that that's not me. So when you read um, spiritual books and biographies, then there's lots of descriptions of mystical states and um, awakenings and enlightenments. Um, and you read this and, and many people are in, intrigued and attracted to, to people who have those um, perceived qualities. So even though you don't see yourself as a guru, um, you're in a country where gurus are not foreign currency. They're actually part and parcel of the culture here. So, you know, right from the beginning of your education when you're learning the alphabet, then the person who teaches you that will for the rest of your life be a guru. So, as you're teaching in the spiritual domain and your students come from uh, this Indian culture where the word guru originates, so even though you don't perceive yourself as a guru, do your students perceive you in a, as a guru? And um, if so, how does that make you feel? Yeah, they do. And no matter how, you know, how much I say to them, you know, I'm not an enlightened one. You know, I'm not uh, a guru. I'm just a, a teacher. Then the more you say that, the more they think, oh, look how humble he is. He definitely is enlightened. So that's a vicious circle. I found that that it's best not to even you know start to deny because once you start denying, then they think you really are. That's the definite proof that you are. So you know I've learned to just accept that this is the culture in India, and this is you know how they uh, show their respect. So you know I accept that. I don't feel that. I don't believe that as my, you know, for myself, but they do. They see me in that way. And you know, all around the world, you see that uh, the teachers who are put on a, a pedestal start to act with superiority and start to have some sort of entitlement, and you know, they start to believe I am the chosen one or I am the precious one so you know I make sure that I don't get myself into that position I don't put myself higher when I'm teaching I sit on the floor the same with the students I don't want to fall into the trap of uh, you know I'm a precious one and uh, you're blessed to have teachings from me so please come and touch my feet and, you know, you'll reach enlightenment. That's, you know, I don't see that. I don't see that's helpful in any way. Do your students believe or project onto you magical powers, mystical states, enlightenment? Yes. And they do. And 
do they ask you for transmission of those mystical states and enlightenments and how do you respond to them they do uh, or they did and uh, you know new people who meet me do people come and ask can uh, you know can you you know bless me so I can pass an exam or can you know you touch my uh, head so um, I'm healed and all things like that so people do come and ask those things and as for the, you know, asking me if can I do something so they become enlightened, I am doing something. I'm teaching the Buddha Dharma to them. That's what I'm doing. The rest of the work they have to do themselves. So, you know, that's what I say to the students. You know, you want me to do something so you become enlightened. I am. I'm teaching. That's all I can do. I mean, that's what Buddha did. Buddha never, you know, from a stroke of his hand, made everybody enlightened. He left these wonderful teachings. Now, we have to do the work. So that is how I answer the question. I'm not enlightened. I can't touch you, you know, give you blessing and make you enlightened. But I can teach you what I know, what I, from my experience. And... You know, you have to go and do the work yourself then. So I, I suppose a lot of people um, view the word enlightenment in, in many different ways. You know, the word enlightenment comes with much baggage. Yes. So a lot of people, they associate it with magical powers, um, ability to transcend normal reality, and um, see the past, the present, and the future of beings, have psychic powers, the ability to levitate, um, to grant healing and blessings. And, you know, for a lot of people, that is what enlightenment is about. So, and this is part of really in, in India, and because of the, you know, the biographies you read of historic yogis and spiritual aspirants, that you think that this is what it's all about. It's about, you know, people flying in the sky with magical powers. And there is an attraction to these, um, these, you know, so-called enlightened qualities. What is your take on the unenlightenment? What is enlightenment for you? And does it have anything to do with, with these mystical, magical states? <laughs> no. Yeah, just imagine that... So, oh, look at me, I can fly in the air. Okay, so is that going to stop any of your suffering? Or will it bring more suffering? Once people see you flying in the air, don't you think they're going to think he's a witch or a wizard or he's, you know, and more suffering will come your way. You know, for me, the enlightenment is not a word I use. I never use that word. For me, I like to use awakening. Because awakening, you can understand awakening, your mind starts to wake up. So if you follow the Buddha Dharma, your mind starts to become awake. You start to see, you know, who you are. You start to see why you act in a certain way. You start to be able to change the things that are holding you back, that are making you suffer. You start to reduce your suffering. You become awake to the way the world really is to you know to the true reality and not their projected reality so i think awakened is a much better word 
enlightenment, you know, so many people just banter this word around enlightenment, but, you know, they don't stop and think for a moment, what does it mean anyway? And if I were enlightened, you know, how would that feel and what do I have to do and do I have to die before I become enlightened or can I become enlightened and then later on I'll die? I mean, people don't really think. It's just, for me, when people start talking about enlightenment, it's just that they don't want to take responsibility for their actions. They want everything just to be uh, quickly done and just bam, there you are, I'll tap you on the head and now, now you're enlightened and all your troubles will be gone. That's not the way the world is. That's not how life is. So I don't like enlightened enlightenment. I don't like using it and awakened is what I want. So people, lots of people have asked me, you know, can you become, uh, can you make me enlightened? No, I can't. And I'm not pretending that I can. I can help you start to wake up. Yeah. I can do that. But again, like I said earlier, you have to do the work. I will just teach you. And as for levitating, you know, they say it takes years and years and years of sitting and concentrating and meditating just so you can lift yourself one inch off the ground. Well, what a waste. If you've taken all those years and all that practice just so you can lift off the ground, why didn't you use that time to work on sorting out your mind understanding the way the world is. I think that is a much better use of your time and trying to do a trick. Look at me, I can levitate. Lovely. Well done. Congratulations. Now, practice sorting out your mind. So, these tricks are what? They're tricks. And that's it. There's no shortcut to sorting out your mind. There's no shortcut to becoming awakened. It takes hard work, it takes effort, and all that hard work and that effort you have to do yourself. And you know, quite frankly, if any guru or teacher says, you know, you just stick with me and I'll give you a secret practice, and this secret practice, don't tell anybody, but this secret practice will, will make you enlightened, then run away quickly, because either that teacher has gone mad or he's lying to you. There's no easy way to become awakened. I mean, you, you're describing um, what you call enlightenment as awakening. And the way you're talking about it is it, it's as if it's a gradual process of unfoldment or you have insights where you become aware of the nature of your mind, the suffering and your life around you, your relationships. When you read on this topic, there, there, you know, there's different schools of thought, and it sounds to me like you, you're um, siding with the idea that awakening is a gradual process. Yes. There's other people who talk of awakening as, you know, it can be a sudden thing. Why a teacher can hit you on the head, and then hey presto, you're awakened, and it's a permanent, um, you know, complete state that you've achieved. What do you think on that? You know, I can only talk from my experiences. If if there's a teacher out there that is doing that, then we should all be queuing up outside his door so we can all be tapped on the head and then all become, you know, awakened. So, 
you know, I can only talk from what I know, from what I've experienced myself. And in, in my knowledge, in my experience, and my little bit of realisation on certain topics I have, then it is a total gradual process. You know, it's taken all the years of our life to get our mind to this position. So it's going to take, you know, many years to get our mind to become awakened. You know, you can't just suddenly, oh, now I get it. It's not like that. It's not just one thing we need to understand. You know, you need to really understand, you know, your thoughts and, you know, where they're coming from and, you know, why do I get useless thoughts and, you know, our emotions and why can't I say uh, concentrated, you know, why can't I be mindful? Why when I'm meditating are lots of thoughts coming? You know, it's a, it's a real, real gradual process. You know, first of all, we have to understand that we are suffering that, you know, maybe we're having such a good time that we think we're not suffering anymore, you know, we, we don't suffer. So, you know, we have to really understand we are suffering and what causes that. So, you know, start off with the Four Noble Truths, try to follow, you know, a good discipline like the Five Precepts, the Eightfold Path. This is a good starting point. Learn meditation and do a regular meditation practice when you're off the meditation cushion, then do mindfulness. So, you know, you're not just spending one hour being uh, meditating and then the rest of the day you're being deceitful or whatever. And then reflecting back on the day so you can see how, why did I act that way? How can I change, get to the root of the problem? So, of course, it is a real, real gradual process. So for me, I've never, ever seen anybody hit anybody on the head and become awakened. I have read it. I've had many teachers tell me about it. And when I've questioned the teachers, they've never known anybody who's done it, but they've read it and they've been told it. But I've never met anybody that's done it. If there's people out there that have done it, then good. But even my understanding of that is that you have to do lots and lots of practice and you have to build yourself up to a certain level to get to the point where somebody can tap you on the head. So then even that's a gradual process. It's not like somebody walking down the street and somebody taps you on the head and then, whoa, hang on, I've become awakened. So even to get yourself to the point of being tapped on the head, it's a gradual process you need to do the work you know it's your mind only you can know your mind only you can change your mind only you can work on your mind all the teachings are there you have a good uh, teacher who can guide you through all these practices but you have to do the work there's no shortcut i don't believe i mean that's my experience You can find more information about this and similar subjects in my books The Best Way to Catch a Snake, Life's Meandering Path and Ripples in the Stream. They're all available now on Amazon and Kindle. And don't forget to check out the Buddhism Guide app. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, the only person you can ever really know 
is yourself. <laughs>